Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, January the 26th in the year of our Lord, 2022. And what we have been doing on Wednesdays is taking a look at the book of Proverbs. This time we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 13 to 20. Now, I may have mentioned this already, but I believe that Proverbs is an expansion of the Ten Commandments. Why? Because when the Ten Commandments were given, God doesn't say, you want me to become your God? Then obey these Ten Commandments, and I will be your God. No. Instead, in Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God, and the proof of it is I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Uh, Today, God would say, I am the Lord your God, and the proof of it is that I died on the cross for your sins. Then I always like putting in the word, therefore. Therefore, when you realize that, that I am your God, you will have no desire to have other gods instead of me. You will not take my name in vain. You will honor my Sabbath day. You will honor your parents and the rest of the commandments. The commandments are really why God has wisdom to tell us how to live in this life that he has created, created from the beginning when Jesus Christ created everything. And yes, there's no doubt that seems to be what is said in the New Testament, but today we're going to see how it is also said in the book of Proverbs. So, beginning chapter 3, verses 13 to 20, this is third address of Solomon to his son. Now, Solomon has 10 addresses to his son in the book of Proverbs. This is number three. And it leads to what is a proper relationship with Yahweh, and that's the name of God that Moses was given on Mount Sinai. And it also talks about the blessing of wisdom. Now, the first part, beginning with verse 13, goes to the end of verse 18. Verse 13 begins with this word, blessed. And at the end of verse 18, the last word is blessed. Now that particular word, uh, blessed, you're probably more familiar with it in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That particular word, blessed, only refers to the blessings man receives. It does not talk about how God is a blessing. That's a different word. So, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Now, In the lessons that we were looking at, we find in Nehemiah that Ezra 
is reading from the law. And I find it very interesting what that passage says. It says, and this is chapter 8, that the people listened attentively and the law was not only stated, it was explained to the people. You see, that's the purpose of a sermon. We need to remember that most of what Jesus said, hardly anybody understood until after the resurrection. Oh, there were some who didn't understand, like Simeon and Anna and Mary, who anointed the feet of Jesus. But a lot of them did not understand what he was talking about. Remember, he went to the town of Nazareth, and he quoted from Isaiah, saying that this is fulfilled in your ears. And it had real positive good news about speaking to the poor and taking care of those who were imprisoned, etc. Well, the people really liked hearing those words because they misunderstood them. Remember when Jesus fed 5,000 people, they wanted to make him a bread king. They didn't recognize him as God. He was a great miracle worker. He was healing the sick, taking care of demons. And so they thought, well, he would be a great king here on earth, restore Israel to its former grandeur. And they chased after him, after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus himself said, you saw the miracle, but you missed the sign. The sign of the miracle wasn't pointing me to be an earthly king. I am a spiritual king. And I am going to be spiritual in that, as he promised to his disciples, I will die in Jerusalem, but be raised in three days. So what is wisdom? In most translations, the word wisdom is not capitalized but it should be because blessed is the one who finds wisdom. That's not talking about getting smart or knowing what wisdom is. Wisdom is personified in this particular passage in Proverbs and refers to none other than the wisdom who is Jesus Christ. For when you find that wisdom, then you get understanding. So blessed are you who looks to the wisdom Jesus Christ and therefore acquires understanding about God's will for you. It's just an expansion of the Ten Commandments. For example, Verse 14 goes on. For the gain from her is greater than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. Now, you may be wondering, how do you think that the word her, which is feminine, can possibly refer to Jesus? Because when you realize that Jesus is the wisdom of God, 
that's in the feminine, that word wisdom. See, in a lot of languages, nouns are either masculine, feminine, or neutral. And in Hebrew, the word wisdom is in the feminine. So even though it refers to the person of Jesus Christ, when you're talking about wisdom, you're talking about her. And the profit or gain from her is better than gold and silver. What does that mean? Well, profit was something that you got in your harvest. And knowing wisdom and knowing the understanding of wisdom was greater profit than when the harvest gives you a lot to do, a lot to get. And it is a greater profit than getting silver or even gold. Now, you say, well, silver and gold, is that the harvest? A lot of people would dig for silver or gold. They would go into caves and find it. But better than silver, better than gold, is the wisdom that gives you understanding. Verse 15 continues with this wisdom. She is more valuable than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So what Solomon is saying to his son is, you want something that's more valuable than jewels? Now, it just so happens that that Hebrew word uh, talks about red jewels. And the only jewel that we know is red, rubies. In fact, in Lamentations 4, verse 7, the rubies are said to be red. So that's probably the jewel that's being spoken of today, although there is disagreement among scholars as to what jewel it is. But at any rate, this wisdom, she is more valuable than anything you desire. Now that's really important because what do we normally desire? Our old Adam normally desires precious things in the secular world, like new car, a new house, a better job, wonderful children, great possessions, etc. Well, guess what? Wisdom is more precious than anything that you can desire. Anything compared to wisdom is wonderful. Verse 16 continues talking about the proper relationship with Yahweh. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Now, think about wisdom. Who's at the right hand of wisdom? Jesus. He ascended to the right hand of God. He is the right hand. So to speak, he's in command of all things. And in his left hand are 
the benefits of being in wisdom, riches and honor. Now, that doesn't mean that here on earth, you're going to have great honor from people or a lot of riches. No, a lot of pastors are dishonored because people no longer believe the scriptures, and therefore they think pastors are old-fashioned, those who are honest with the scriptures, and therefore they are not honored. And a lot of Christians are not rich, but this idea of being honored and being rich is from God's point of view. God honors all Christians who are doing his will because that's the purpose of becoming saved, namely that you are now doing the will of God. You are now able to do the will of God. An unbeliever cannot do the will of God. Why? Because the will of God is not done simply by outwardly doing an act, like maybe giving food to the hungry. No, it's also the motivation behind it. Remember when that woman, Mary, was putting expensive perfume on Jesus, Jesus said it was for his burial. Judas said, oh, she could have sold it. And in fact, the cost of that perfume was almost a year's worth of wages and give it to the poor. But John, who's reporting this in the Gospel of John, says that Judas said that because he was a thief. He was in charge of the treasury and he was taking money for himself from the treasury that the disciples were able to gather as they traveled around and people would give them treasury in order to be feeding themselves and lodging, etc. So Judas sounds like he's saying a good thing, but his motivation is totally selfish. And it's impossible for the good works of an unbeliever to be anything but selfish. That's their only motivation because they can't do it for their love of Christ. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe that he is the savior of the world. And therefore, when a Christian does good works that God recognizes as a truly good work, he does it because of his love for Jesus, recognizing how far Jesus went to die for our sins, be raised for our justification. And therefore, out of love for Jesus, we do good works. Remember, we love because he first loved us. Now, continuing with wisdom in verse 17, her ways, again, there's that feminine, are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Now, we talked about in the last lesson, there are two paths. There's the narrow path that Jesus talks about in getting to heaven, saved by grace 
through faith. Then there's the broad path where people attempt to save themselves by works. That's the path of the prostitute. That's the path of the unbeliever. That's the path of the old Adam. And it says all her paths are peace. Now, what does that mean? Well, each individual, each Christian has a different kind of path. Some people are wealthy. Others people have the ability to teach. Others have the ability to help out those in need. We all have different paths, but they are part of the peace of God that the shepherds spoke or heard from the angels, peace be unto you, and that Jesus said to the disciples on the night of the resurrection, peace. Peace what? Between Christians and the Father, where he is no longer in wrath towards you. You are at peace with God. And so these first 18 verses are trying to explain how you have this proper relationship. And so it goes into a metaphor in verse 18. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Now, that's the ESV translation. Let's talk about that. Tree of life, what does that remind you of? It reminds you of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. So there it is in the first book of the Bible, and then you find it also in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 2, verse 7, in chapter 22, verses 2, 4, and 19. And rather than the translation, to those who lay hold of her, I prefer she is a tree of life to those who hold on to her. See, the first translation gives the impression that you have to get to that tree of life, take it, and lay hold of it. But a proper translation kind of reminds me of the famous parable of Jesus in the parable of the lost sheep. The lost sheep didn't jump out of the hole it was in, run up to Jesus and jump up on his shoulders. That would be him laying hold of Jesus. No, instead what happened, Jesus found the lost sheep, picked it up, he put it on his shoulders to carry it at home, and every picture shows that the lost sheep is holding on to Jesus. So the tree of life is the gift of the forgiveness of sins. And we hold on to that because apart from that, the devil will be successful in giving you the impression, you're not good enough to go to heaven. Look at all your sins. Well. He's correct in that you still have many sins, but he's incorrect to say that God hasn't forgiven those sins. 
and you are no longer held accountable for those sins. He leaves that part out. Therefore, the last part of verse 18, those who hold her fast, which can be understood as those who are clinging to her are called blessed. Well, there's that word blessed that began this section in verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. And so we see now how to have a proper relationship with God. Because throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom is God. And Jesus takes that wisdom and gives us understanding of it. For example, how many times after a parable that Jesus speaks that most Christians understand it, but the disciples are always going to Jesus saying, what does this parable mean? And he has to take them alone and explain the parable to them. In other words, they really didn't get what Jesus was meaning when he gave parables, when he gave teachings. Like in Nazareth, they thought Jesus was talking about being a great bread king. And then when they found out he wasn't going to do any miracles for them like he had done in Capernaum, well, they got really angry at him and therefore were ready to throw him off a cliff to his death. But he simply walked through them. Now, how can God do that? Verse 19 and 20 talks about wisdom's role in creation. 19 starts, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Now, the word Lord is all capitalized, so that's talking about Yahweh, that can be God the Father, and by wisdom founded the earth. Again, wisdom isn't capitalized, but I would capitalize it because it's referring to Jesus. When does it say Jesus founded the earth? It's found in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was with, uh, the Word was God, and nothing was created that was not created by the Word. And we know that the Word is Jesus because in verse 14 of John, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes, he founded the earth. That's found in John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. And he also is said to have founded the temple in Exodus 15, verse 17. The temple, referring to the holy kingdom of God today, is the holy Christian church. Jesus founded the church. How do we know that? That Jesus himself was the temple. Because he said, in three days, this temple will be destroyed, but I will rebuild it after three days. Again, they misunderstood what he was saying. They thought he was talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and that he could rebuild it in three days after it took decades for Herod to improve it. 
No, he was talking about his own body as the temple of God. That yes, it will be destroyed in the sense crucified, dead, and buried for three days. But then it will be restored at the resurrection. Then the Lord, first of all, used wisdom, that's capitalized, namely founding the earth. And then he uses understanding who established the heavens. And that, of course, is referring again to Jesus. The Lord uses wisdom, who is Jesus, and understanding to establish the heavens. So everything works perfectly. That was wonderful. In fact, by his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Now, what does that mean? Verse 20, the deeps broke open. Yeah, you could think of the flood, but actually there the deeps were not broken open. They weren't separated from the earth, but by the knowledge of Jesus, remember in the creation, God separated the waters from the land. The waters were divided and land appeared and the clouds dropped down the dew. In other words, this idea of the dew is a metaphor that is used in Isaiah 26 verse 19 and Psalm 110 verse 3 to talk about the resurrection. So the dew is Jesus. Farmers love the dew because even though it doesn't rain, the crops are still watered by the dew that is on the ground. When we travel to the congregations in Southern Illinois, a lot of times it's a cloudy day and it's so cloudy, there's a fog over the road and the car becomes dripping wet. Not because of rain, but because of the dew. Join us tomorrow when we continue our study of Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. Or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.